millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. Hi, this is Byron Frost, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. And we're back, folks. The Tennis Podcast is back. It's 2020, and uh, we're here. It's been a month since we've recorded a live podcast. I say we're back. I'm back, Catherine Whitaker. Matt Roberts is back. David Law is swanning around Florida, of which more later. Uh, There are photos, folks. They've been coming thick and fast. He is having a whale of a time. He's used his young children as an excuse to go to Disney is, uh, is how I see it. That was uh, Byron, by the way, in the intro there. Thank you, Byron, for backing us in last year's Kickstarter. You can do the same in this year's Kickstarter if you would like. It's gone brilliantly. We're absolutely overwhelmed uh, by the response to this year's Kickstarter. There's two more weeks to run. Uh, we're about 90% of the way there at the time of recording, so uh, a little under £10,000 to go before we reach our target. We very much hope to do so because we want to keep the podcast going and growing in 2020. Whether David Law's here or not, Matt. Yeah, new decade. Everyone's gone a bit decade mental mad. about the new decade. I wouldn't even particularly be registering the fact that it was a new decade if it weren't for all the lists of favourite things that happened in the last decade that have been um, clogging up my Twitter. We're a list-free zone, folks. If you didn't, if you didn't love the tennis podcast already, um, maybe the news that we don't plan to do any lists will will uh, will make you love us because I'm just I'm listed out. Yeah, too many lists too many lists it's also i mean i know i'm a grump but it's completely arbitrary isn't it it's so arbitrary sort of i I mean has it always been a thing like i mean i don't really i mean i do obviously remember the turn of the last decade (laughs) but i don't remember registering it really and now this this time everyone seems to have gone mad i don't remember being forced to do like a stock take of the last 10 years of my life like i feel like i'm being forced to do this time Mm. okay it's like a sort of enforced measuring stick, which I don't, which yeah, I don't appreciate. Because you look back on decades, like from seventies, eighties, you talk about them like that. But to, to literally the day after we've come out of it, be looking back on it, it seems 
Yeah, nostalgia is in fashion, though, isn't it? Mm. Everyone loves nostalgia. Um, lots is different about 2020. Um, there's the ATP Cup. This is probably going to be a an ATP heavy podcast, just because there's been more ATP tennis than there has WTA tennis. The WTA season essentially started uh, today. It's uh, it's midday. Oh, I haven't mentioned where we are, Matt. It is, it is notable. People might have noticed just by the sounds of, of coffee being ground in the background. But we are starting our 2020 tennis podcast season at the Putney Exchange, which is just brilliantly convenient for me. So <laughs> excellent, excellent way to start. Yeah, it's about midday on uh, Monday, the 6th of January. So the WTA season has only been been going for about 12 hours uh, there's a few results which we we will bring up to date with there's some news and stuff as well but there's there's been more atp tennis because uh, the atp cup has been going strong or well it's been going on it's been going on certainly um and yeah we're, we're very grateful that tennis has started happening were we, you were you messaged i think it was about december the 12th maybe <laughs> right that's it folks i miss tennis and yeah i'm ready for it to come back and David and, and I were and both everyone was in, in agreement. agreement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I was really. It is the off season was a tiny bit longer this year, wasn't it? Unless you're obviously Roger Federer or Alexander Zverev, who didn't have an off season. Mm. Nadal doesn't seem to have had an off season. And either. then randomly, an event sprung up in um, Riyadh, which I just wasn't expecting. Ah, um, is this the one that Medvedev got injured at, forcing him to withdraw from, from another, another exhibition. exhibition? Yes. Yeah. It was all a bit weird. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, tennis is now back. Tennis is back with the ATP Cup, which is newfangled for 2020 and potentially beyond. Um, as we speak, though, Novak Djokovic is beating Gael Monfils in straight sets, which is a lovely reminder that some things will never change. Is this 16-0 now Ooh. against Monfils? And it ju- I didn't see all of it because I had to leave to record a podcast, but it just looked... Every rally that I saw was I've, I'd seen before. Mm. Mm. Some lovely stuff from Gail Monfils, but it just should just stop it. Yeah. Stop it now. Um, so the ATP Cup. Where do we start with the ATP Cup? Because it, it's in three different locations, two different time zones. It is. It's taking place at a as will the whole. Australian tennis season taking place at a time of huge tragedy and turmoil for the for the country, um, and I'm always I'm always really conflicted um, when when this sort of thing happens, where sort of the the horrors of the real world are so grave that the, the, that there's no option but for, for the sporting world which usually is a refuge from all of it the, there's no option but for the, the sporting world to to acknowledge it and, and embrace it and use its power to, to, to try to help but equally I am very protective of that refuge I, you know sport for me and for a lot of people for most people probably to an extent is a refuge from the the absolute horror of uh, of many aspects of the world so there's a part of me that sort of wants to protect that Um, but then also it's obviously so horrendous what's happening with the with the bushfires down in Australia that that it's that, that it is it's overshadowing what's happening and obviously lots of lots of players are uh stepping up 
and um, have pledged to... Well, it started off with Nick Kyrgios, didn't it, pledging to, to commit $200 per race. And I, and I think it was really timely of Nick Kyrgios to do that because I was, I was getting the sense that the tone of a lot of the social media activity was not quite in line with the gravity of the situation. I mean, I completely understand that, you know it kind of does have to go on, the sport, but not if the situation is so severe and tennis mm. is landing itself in a you know, climate disaster. And, it's, and it, it was very much a kind of welcome-to-paradise feel about the social media posts that were yes. going on, and that is just not the reality at the moment. So, Abs- Yeah, especially, I mean, the, uh, as things stand at the moment in terms of main tour events, everything's proceeding as normal. They've moved a... a ITF, ITF in Canberra. Yeah, because the... Uh, Air quality is so bad mm. um, in Canberra, in, in in parts of New South Wales, um, and obviously that is Nick Kyrgios's home state, home home city. Um, he was the first to. Well, first of all, he um, he implored Tennis Australia to mm. need to step up and do something, and then he himself pledged that he would be um, uh, donating two hundred dollars for every ace hit. Lots of other players have matched that um, and what a lot of the WTA players are doing is saying look I don't hit that many aces but oh uh, Elise Cornet is doing $200 for every every drop shot winner she hits and Simona Halep is doing <laughs> $200 for every time she um, gestures towards the exact uh, wording of it is, is going to be quite interesting every time she sort of gestures towards Darren Cahill in the box which is a, a brilliant moment of sort of self-awareness yes um, and, and I think now a lot of the players are, have got the tone exactly right and it's you know we do see the best of these players often in these times they often do come together like this and find creative ways and just just try and do their bit use their platform I think was what Kyrgios was saying and it, yeah. it seems that they're doing that now which is which is really good to see. Um, yeah, he he um, he broke down, didn't he? Or well, mm. certainly welled up on the court uh, after his first match at the ATP Cup against uh, somebody. He won it anyway. Mm. Can I let you into? It was a, somebody from Germany. It was Struff. It was Struff. Yeah, which I that's can't right. say without raising my voice an octave. Can I let you into a theory from friend of the pod, Andrew? Yes, in- please. More than friend. Yes. He says, Team member Andrew. Hello, Andrew. He's, he has a, a feeling that we're going to see a really good Kyrgios this Australian oh. swing. I know. I told. Oh, I said, Andrew. God. I said, Andrew, you've been sucked in. But the Nine theory, minutes we've been doing this. Pod- Nine minutes we've been podcasting for in 2020 and we're already... I know. Oh. But the theory, I like the theory that Kyrgios plays his best when he's not playing just for himself. When he's playing Agreed. either in a team or for something bigger. And if he kind of convinces himself, or which I think he probably does, genuinely believes now that he is playing for something bigger than himself. All right, sold. I'm sucked in. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps he's going to win the Australian Open. <laughs> it's a good theory. It is a good theory, and I, I completely endorse the logic but it's still best of five set tennis. Yeah. And and his body's already breaking down. His body's down. already he's a, a mess. He's yeah. already had to pull out of a match with a back injury. I, I, I certainly endorse the fact that it, it might result in us seeing the best of Nick Kyrgios. I just don't know what a Grand Slam level the best of Nick Kyrgios is these days because mm. it's been a while since we've seen him do anything, anything good. But 
Sorry to bring that up. <laughs> you explicitly said in our live show. That was the about last podcast ago, we recorded, yeah, wasn't it? Oh my you god. Said, okay. I'm, it's not happening it's in twenty twenty. It's not happening in twenty twenty. Things change, folks. It's a new decade. I'm, I hadn't... Drink, I'm drinking coffee. Things change. Matt is drinking not only a heated hot drink, but a caffeinated one. We've broken him, folks. Um, well, it's because the ATP Cup has not learnt its lesson from the Davis Cup. And ten- yeah. tennis is happening all hours of the day and night. So you need yeah, and it, coffee to So get what was it, it, the second night? Or was it the first the night? The very first night. The very night. first night. Was that when I was watching Joe Salisbury and, and uh, Jamie Murray? And about 100 people in the stand. Yeah, and it was, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. Two, finished at 2.48am. And there was another example, I thought, of where... The, the tone of the coverage, we're getting the world feed. Um, it's being shown on uh, on Amazon Prime in the UK. Um, and we're, we're getting the world feed and, and many aspects. I mean, look, it's, it's comprehensive coverage of, you know, you've got choice of tennis happening on, in three different cities, three different matchups. You know, a lot of the top players are playing. There's lots that's great about it, but... The tone of the coverage in a couple of different ways doesn't feel quite right to me. You've got these little sort of musical um, uh, 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 sort of Judith Chalmers, Wish You Were Here-esque inserts sort of from the tourist, tourist from the Australian board. Tourist Board, mm. essentially advertising each of the respective cities. Um, and obviously the, the commentators have a little script or certainly guidelines about what, what to say about, you know, the... The glorious culture scene in Brisbane, which, FYI, I've been to Brisbane, lots going for it. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's arts and culture scene <laughs> it was necessarily one of those things, but, but I, I could be wrong. Great food, great food, great climate. Um, yeah, it just feels tonally... A bit deaf. To- yeah, it's tone, it's, it's tone deaf. And I realise all those, those plans and everything were put in place before... Before recent developments with the with the bushfires, but still, it's it's just not quite right. Mm. And um, yeah, the 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 same with that two forty a.m. finish. It felt like n- nobody was mentioning it. Yeah, and <laughs> it's not a good thing. Like tennis is far too happy to accept that tennis happens at in in the dead of night. I mean, it is crazy. Matt has the look of a man that will never be the same after the Davis Cup finals yeah, someone, 2019. Yeah, someone said to me, only those who are in Madrid know. Like <laughs> we've, all, we've all shared an experience and never, never the same again. But, and here he is drinking a cappuccino. Yeah, not unrelated. <laughs> but no, but I'm serious. Like, you know, we, we, we knew before the Davis Cup that scheduling six matches on one court on the, in the same day bananas. is bananas. We completely knew it after Davis Cup. Six <laughs> yeah. weeks later, the same thing is happening again. I just don't understand how we're putting ourselves in that situation. The only reference kind of to the scheduling that the, um, that the commentators made during the coverage was at about 10.30pm, right? Yes. So four hours prior to the end I of tennis exactly finishing. I know what you're going to say. There was a very audible announcement around the stadium that the commentators had to acknowledge informing the crowd that the last train back to Sydney would be leaving in 10 minutes. So if you need to get back to Sydney, you need to head off. Cue most of the crowd leaving and tennis continuing for a further four hours. Um, 
you're right. We just have this sort of... We all sort of shrug and laugh about it, but we all need to take a step back yeah, and realise this is it's like, really weird and like, not necessary. We all love night sessions, and a, the odd match can go late and become an epic and be a one-off, and it's one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. We're probably okay with that, but scheduling so that it becomes inevitable is crazy absolutely crazy and given that they're playing in three different cities it, I feel like they could have figured out a way around it I don't know I mean they have they have at least shortened the doubles compared to the Davis Cup but equally the doubles was such a great part of the Davis Cup and it feels a little bit diminished in the ATP Cup with a shorter format so yeah that's that's one of my biggest gripes about it what are your other gripes Mainly that if it's David m- were here, we'd be doing positives first. Yeah. But because it's me, we're doing gripes yeah. first. Next week's pod will be the positive <laughs> pod when David's back. Um, the biggest gripe is that it's not the event tennis needs, I think. F- mainly for two reasons. One, we've just had the Davis Cup, and this is essentially the same. It's, it's so similar. I was watching it and thinking, gosh, just how similar it actually is in terms of the format. Okay, the, the ranking system means that you've got different players, but actually I think that's worse. I think, we're, I think we're, there's quite a lot of mismatches in this, in this ATP Cup, which there weren't at the Davis Cup. And secondly, it has replaced the Hopman Cup in the calendar um, in terms of its slots, and that was the mixed team event that tennis did need and deserved um, and you know I was to go off on a bit of a tangent I was listening to a um, to a football podcast over over Christmas Sunday supplement which is lots good, of the pod. lots of the leading fo- newspaper journalists and they were looking back on 2019 and their best moments in football and not a single one of them mentioned did, did they mention did they mention Reading's four-match winning streak to, to close out? No one mentioned 2019? that. No? And no one mentioned the so Women's the World Cup. What's the opposite of recency bias? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not one of them mentioned the Women's World Cup. You know, there were four journalists there, and they were sort of squ- scrambling around for things to mention. They were all mentioning the Liverpool comeback against Barcelona in the Champions League. And it was like the Women's World Cup didn't even occur to them. And I just thought that that actually showed tennis in such a good light because if you know if we were looking back on 2019 we wouldn't wouldn't even think about it you know women's tennis men's tennis we don't really distinguish you know it's just tennis and i thought how far ahead tennis is compared to football in that moment and yet here we are and we're we've taken away a mixed team event and replaced it with a men's event which is the same as a men's event we had six yeah. weeks ago talk about tennis shooting itself in the foot yeah, I mean the words of Chris Clary from the from the interview you did with him uh, with the Davis Cup um, that that tennis is just so far or always has been so far ahead of the curve and in the past couple of years maybe a bit more there's been this huge awakening of the rest of sport and they've been desperately trying to catch up looking at tennis going mm. wow we want to be where you are and we're doing our best to go backwards and it is. Again, you take a step away from the from the tennis bubble, and it looks bizarre. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, my my feelings about it are the same. I it's not terrible. Like, I'm no. really I'm enjoying watching it. 
I'm very much enjoying the fact that there's tennis on. I feel like I'd probably be enjoying whatever was put in front of me yes. right now. Um, and that is a huge advantage that the Australian tennis events have, don't they? Their positioning in the calendar it is really prime mm. position in the calendar. Um, and, th- th- you know, they've, they've got Nadal playing, they've got Djokovic playing, they've got Team and Zverev and Sitsipas. That's all, that's all great. Um, but it is pointless. Hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't. It n- nobody. It, it's very clear that the players don't care like they do about the Davis Cup. Um, and given how recent the Davis Cup was, how clear that benchmark is in all our minds. You know that that imagery of Nadal and Djokovic. Um, and it's not got the razzle dazzle or the <clears throat> the glitz. Um, or the um, just performance element, performance factor, not performance, that's not... What, what word am I looking for, Matt? To describe... Well, it's not got the... Uh, the. I feel like glitz is too flimsy a word. I'm looking for something more substantial than glitz. Oh, God. Which event are you, tr- are you describing? Of the, of the Labour, Labour Cup. Cup. Okay. It's caught, it's neither, it's neither one thing nor the other. What? And, and nor should it be what? because those two things both exist. Yes. <laughs> and are filling, fulfilling those two categories of tennis event. Therefore, well, <laughs> this is just not necessary. And, and to me, the biggest thing it doesn't have, which the Labour Cup has, is a point of difference. You exactly. Know, the Labour Cup is, you know, f- for all its laws which we've talked about you know it does have a lot going for it and the main thing is that it's three days it's top players it's it's a kind of different format and you can get into that just for three days you know what it exactly this feels like neither is meaningful um and um meaningful and and stirring Mm. is the davis cup nor is eye-catching yeah and rousing is the Labour Cup. And I think it goes to show that you can add ranking points, but you can't add the meaning that the yeah. Davis Cup still has. And that is really interesting, isn't it? Look, I, the, the ranking points thing is, is very... It might, it's probably going to sound a bit boring, but it is really significant oh, because, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the ATP Cup exists because of the, the, the fallout, the inability of, of the ITF and the ATP to to come together and, and reach a, a compromise on a on a team event on a reformed Davis Cup and the 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 ace in the pack for for Davis Cup is the meaning and the history the ace in the pack for the ATP is ranking points yeah. so that is why the ATP Cup has ranking points that is their main weapon however it's pretty unfair yes uh, uh, Riley Apelka with all of his um, how how many is it we did a quiz uh, before uh, starting this uh, podcast. I was I was getting Riley Apelka's um, Twitter feed up because I'm going to read out to you a couple of couple of tweets he's put out because he's not happy about the the ranking point situation with the ATP Cup. Matt said, "Before you look, how many followers do you think Riley Apelka has on Twitter?" I guessed forty thousand. Yeah, because you know he's that's the figure I would have gone with. He's got a blue tick, folks. And he's a, he's a tennis player. You he's know, a he's, tennis player. He's, he's quite active yeah. on social media. He's a young guy. 1,553. Don't know yeah. what he's doing wrong. Anyway, <laughs> um, Riley Apelka uh, takes issue with the format of 
it in there's a couple of things is one is that um, if you're the number three player if you're the number three singles player from a country it's you're you're screwed because you don't get in the team mm. um, and obviously you've got players ranked I mean I think you have to have a ranking point to be eligible don't you but you've got players ranked sort of 800 and something in the world that are getting in in the in the Greek team in the Moldovan team and they're and getting in off the back of the ranking of Sitsipas and Dimitrov exactly whereas you've got somebody like Riley Apelka who's top 50 um, who who can't get in and be eligible for those ranking points because of the country he's from and, and the, the, the depth of talent in that country and the other thing is that the way the ranking system works is that um, you can play as many events as you like on the ATP tour um, but only 18 are eligible each year for um, to count towards your ranking your 18 best results now the ATP cup if you play it counts as an extra yeah so you can understand why somebody like Riley Apolka <laughs> feels hugely aggrieved he he would play ATP Cup if he were able to. He's got a ranking far, far more eligible for a, for a top-level event than, uh, than a lot of the people playing. Um, and he, he can't do anything else of, of equivalence. He can't do anything else to, to um, score a 19th event. Yeah. I'm not expressing this very well. No, Matt. no, it's, it's, it's completely <laughs> true. The, the only other event which counts as a 19th event is the ATP Finals. But that's accepted because everyone has a chance to qualify for that. You know, it's a based. level playing field. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a bonus. It's a reward for a. It's a reward in a meritocratic system. Exactly. Uh, whereas this is plainly not. You know, he could be playing another event. You know, he could play, for example, Doha next week. But that wouldn't be. You know that would be one of his yeah. eighteen events. So that there's absolutely no way that he can. And f- play it's the just 19. indicative for me of what we've been saying. It's just been caught between two things. They they want to to guarantee the top players being able to play. Look, Greece are there because they really want Sitsipas at this event. I completely get that. I would want Sitsipas at my event as well. And and with the Labour Cup. We all know that the sort of qualification, eligibility, all of that is pretty fuzzy. Yeah. It's, it's guarantees, it's, it's appearance fees to, is, is the main incentive to get the top players playing. And I accept that because it's an exhibition. Mm. It's, yeah. Whereas this has ranking points. It's trying to, because that's its, that's its ace in the pack, it's trying to be something official and yet it's also trying to have its cake and eat it it wants to you know by fuzzier means make sure that they've got all the components necessary to make it a a labor cop-esque glitz glamour type thing it's just caught between two things and yeah it's and i think i think the players who are there are enjoying it they're liking it it has got a lot going for it for the players uh, in that it guarantees them matches Hotman Cup did that Hotman Cup did that as well Um, and it's interesting the the position in the calendar because that is definitely something going for it but equally I also think it slightly takes something away from it because it's as long as it's here it is always going to be the Australian Open warm-up it's always going to play second fiddle to the Australian Open. We won't be thinking about the ATP Cup as the event to win in January. 
it, yeah. it's kind of a building block to getting ready for the Australian Open which is fine and it will always be you know minus an off season sequentially immediately after the Davis Cup yeah It'll, you'll always have that that measuring stick mm. um, so yeah but anyway it's happening and we are enjoying it <laughs> yes oh yeah you know and, and it means that what on the second day of the season we got to see or, or third day of the season or it's all weird because of the overnights but third day of the season we got to see Sitsipas Verev for example yeah. oh and, it's already and brought us more sort of high key yeah dramatic matches in yeah, the first few days of the season than we normally Monfils see we've got to lose to Djokovic like Again. really early on <laughs> we usually have to wait you know until a semi-final for that <laughs> Um, so what have we seen, tennis-wise? What have we seen? Should we, um, just, given that I've just mentioned Sitsipas losing to Zverev, should we, should we deal with Sitsipas Zverev? Sorry, Zverev. Zverev very much losing to Zverev. No. Oh, God. <sighs> Bring back David. <laughs> um, should we do Zverev? Shall we? Okay. Well, actually, for once, he has actually said it himself. He did not practice enough. You know, after his loss, he said, yeah, this is only my seventh day of tennis. Which, given that he's had, you he know, said, Hang a on, month. he said that after his first loss yeah. to Alex de Menor, yeah. which was very troubling, but in a very, very different way to his second loss, yes. which was to, to Sitzbass. He was a set and a break up He was playing Alex de so well against de Menor. And what was so stark about that match is how quickly it went wrong how thin his layer of confidence is at the moment like as soon as something goes wrong it's just a spree of double faults unforced errors and negative faces I mean <laughs> it is so thin his confidence like I've ne- he's, he's so fragile on the court at the moment and then we saw that even more in his in his second match where he just lost. He just lost the plot. He had a he had a very public meltdown, kind of full blown argument, really, with Boris Becker, his dad, and his teammates. And it, to me, it felt like the point of no return with his coaching setup. I, I don't know how he comes, how he can continue having his dad there if he's just going to shout at him like that. I mean, his dad was in tears. But then, for another coach looking at that. Who think, wants that I job? I don't want that, no. Um, no other know. coach would take that. No. I well, mean, his well, dad Lendl, can't quit. Lendl got out of there pretty quickly. <laughs> you know, he, but then I suppose that's that's chicken and egg, isn't it? Would he? Do, is he only doing that because he can, because it's his dad and he knows he can't quit? I don't know, though, because you look back at um, what Juan Carlos Ferrero mm. had to say um, after the end of, you know, coaches are getting out of that, yeah. aren't they? It seems that he potentially doesn't adjust his behavior I, I don't know it it was tough it was it was tough to watch I think we all don't cut Zverev that much slack I think because of because of what he has to say in in press he sort of doesn't give us mm. much slack to give back to him if you like and you know the fact that he's we've all seen a lot of pictures of him jollying around the world on Federer's coattails um, during this off-season, um, playing these exhibition events. Playing, he played one in in China 
um, a, a week ago, I think. So Monday today, they, it was last weekend. Mm. Last weekend, he was playing uh, with Federer in China. Apparently, Federer is committed to play that exhibition for the next four years. Um, whether Zverev is committed as well, TBC. Um, yeah, so as much as it's sort of, it's nice that he's acknowledging, oh, I have not had enough time to practice. Well, that's because you took a massive check, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> Presumably, to to go round the, you know, actions have consequences. Th- these are the inevitable consequences of the decisions you have made. How much how much sympathy can we have with that? But but I did feel sympathy for him watching him during that sits a pass match. It was hard. He looked looked like a lost little boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I felt sorry for everyone involved in that yeah. situation. He I definitely yeah. felt sorry for Boris Becker. <laughs> Not even on the payroll. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and I the s- commentators were like, um, oh, uh, uh, he, he sort of sat down the change of ends and they were sort of commentating whether Boris was was going to have a go at speaking to him. It was like a sort of wildlife documentary. They were like, oh, <laughs> Boris is, Boris is, is oh, he's, he's leaning in. He's, okay, he's going to have a go at it. And then it was like, oh, no, backing off. No, no, no. no. sworn at him. <laughs> um, it's just... I just find it so frustrating because, what was it, a year ago, Zverev actually gave some of the best comments I've ever heard about the importance of the off-season and how important it is for working on your game. You know, he says we don't get time during the season necessarily to have proper training blocks because there are so many tournaments. Yeah, and we also need rest. And I just thought, yes, that makes that makes yep. perfect sense. Absolutely. Yeah, he clearly needs a two-week training block to work on his serve. His serve has gone from, I mean, the yips, I think we were calling it last year, to full... It's a crisis. Yes. Uh, can, can you think of any crisis like this? I'm thinking like Sara Irani when she started underarm serving. But then oh she's... Ne- I but mean, she doesn't have a good serve. She doesn't have a good serve. Yeah. That's her thing. Zverev, his serve is a weapon and it's just gone. Like, or his second serve has certainly. But I mean, Zverev is six foot six, with ca- capable of hitting 140 miles an hour. He should not be feeling insecure on serve, and yet you watch him, and you and you're waiting for the double fault for the the disaster to happen. That's that's why his matches are compelling at the moment because you're you're expecting it to all it's, go wrong. It's 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 like it's watching really a it's like tough. watching a test batsman go out with no confidence, confidence. facing a fast bowler, yeah, isn't it? It's like you just you're on edge. Yeah, completely on edge, yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, Sitsapas wasn't even returning that well against him, and yet he was he in was, uh, every service game. I found it interesting that he wasn't being more ruthless mm. about sort of his stance returning the Zverev second, second serve, because you could, you could really troll him, yeah. <laughs> couldn't you? You could stand, because if he... Because to get it in, he's having to oh. to roll it in. If he's going for normal second serves, he's he's double faulting more often than not. He's only actually making second serves when he just completely rolls it in. So you could stand like two meters inside the baseline, couldn't yeah. you, and totally troll him? And that does seem like something that Sitsipas would be up for, but yes. he, he, he wasn't. I'd quite like to see Zverev Kyrgios. I feel like Kyrgios would do that. Kyrgios. Um, was doing press ups every time Zverev double faulted, wasn't yeah, he? That was a thing that Zverev happened. Dumanor. Yeah, and then he pulled out of his next match, Kyrgios, with uh, backache. <laughs> 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 Which, you know, 
I don't know how much you use your back in a press up. Not much, I don't think. But he was he dealt with it pretty well. I thought it was very when he was asked he did, about actually, that impress yeah. because I would find that deeply irritating. Oh yeah. Well, I think I would he probably did find lose it my irritating. shizzle if somebody was doing that. I mean, well, that is such a troll, isn't it? Well, he said that at the Labour Cup last year, twenty eight. Sorry, twenty eighteen. Two years ago, that Dimitrov almost got in a fight with. Uh, Kyrgios and Sock about their kind of antics, you know, and their celebrations and push-ups and that kind of thing. He kind of, kind of just dropped Dimitrov in it, you know. So hopefully someone will ask Dimitrov about that. Will that be the only time you mention Jack Sock on the podcast in the year 2020? Possibly. Gosh, um, n- no. I think as much as anything, we might mention that. You know, we'll mention him because he's not around. If you know what I mean. Right. He, but no, I think I think actually I think Jack Sock. I mean, it can't be much worse than last year, can it? Well, he's not got a ranking, no. Matt, so, so it'll, it'll let's call it some. a standing start. <laughs> Regroup from here, Jack. Um, okay, so other things uh, tennis-wise that we've learned from the ATP Cup. Matt's not notes, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna hand it over. Dominol's been very good, hasn't he? He's probably been tennis-wise the revelation. Yes, I think I think. Part of the ATP Cup is how much do we read into it, given that it is so different from regular tour events and it is the first week of the season. But Dimonor's really caught my eye. Just, just, he's just picked up where he left off at the back end of last season, really. Winning a lot of matches, digging in. His serve's so much better than it used to be. He gets, he gets that depth on his ground strokes that is what all tennis players are searching for. Um... And he seems to have this chemistry with Kyrgios, which which I is I love is in particular because he's also got the chemistry with Hewitt. Yes, and Hewitt and Kyrgios. Well, I mean, they sort of do have chemistry, but, but it's, it's bad. bad chemistry. It's bad chemistry. Yeah. So he's like he's like the Kyrgios in the Kyrgios Medvedev Sitsipas yes, love is. triangle. Yes, I like that. Dominor is the yeah yeah. No, I'm I, I can see that. Um, Hubert Hercatch also thi- been really he's impressive. A thing again, he folks. is a thing again. He was injured at the back end of last season, and he started this season with wins over Schwartzman and Chorich, and looking really good. And Chorich got a win over Dominic Team, who's not looking. I know he beat Diego Schwartzman overnight, which is one of tennis's great matchups. Yeah, really. Incidentally, good yeah. Um, it's like the anti Monfils Djokovic, and it's and it's cool that it works because they are such good friends as well. Like you've got, they completely. You know, it's not weird in the way that sometimes when I think yeah. when Shapovalov and Orjali have seen play, that's, that's always been a bit weird. Yeah. But with Schwartzman and team, it works, and then they just have it, well, they a lovely sort hug. Of, a, sort of team just sort of rests his yeah. head on Schwartzman's shoulder. His weird-looking head for 2020. His his breakup hair. Yeah, he's frosted his tips, folks. Like it's 1998. <laughs> um, it is extraordinary. I, I, I mean, just, it's extraordinary. Each to their own, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have much more to say, yeah. Yeah. I think some, something about teams tennis would be that, you know, when we talk about Zverev's off-season, you know, not being kind of the perfect off-season, you can bet that teams was... And yet he's come out a little bit cold. So, you know, having the perfect off-season doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a great start to the season. But you should at least be 
giving yourself that opportunity. One thing that struck me watching Dominic team in the match against Chorich mm. um, was that in comparison I, I, I didn't see Sitsipas's loss to Shapovalov I probably should should say that I, I saw uh, Sitsipas against Verev he just it feels like he's going full throttle just throwing his body into the ball completely not holding back and yet there's margin mm. it, it, he feels and yet it, it, he still feels like he's sort of within himself somewhere I just feel completely secure watching him in a way that I I don't watching Dominic team at mm. the moment mm. um, and I want because I want to see full throttle Dominic team I just don't want to feel anxious about it um, yeah he, he was saying that he'd actually found the adjustment from indoor tennis hardcore tennis to outdoor tennis a little bit tricky to get used to he thinks he he's was the freaking king of court adjustments he's the guy that goes down to Rio to play whatever it is he plays in Rio in the middle of the the the, the whatever it was the middle of the hardcourt swing yeah. he's the guy that goes to Kitchbull to play a clay court event when everyone else is in Washington or the Olympics or what he that's was, I know literally his specialty I know but he was saying that on the backhand he'd got so used to stepping in on the indoor courts and taking it early and that was a thing oh, that we did see a lot which was lovely which was great but now he's kind of a little bit stuck about whether to go in or go back but go in Dominic go, go in. in yeah I think I think do you think he's listening I'm, I'm actually not concerned at all about team I think team's gonna I think he's gonna have a really good year I'm feeling but what is a really good is he gonna win a slam this year yes oh and it's not going to be the French, is it? So you're saying he's going to win the U.S. Open, maybe? Yeah, I think he might as well. I think, I think, uh, teams got ill at really awkward times in the last couple of years, and I just he, think. But I know that's partly bad luck, but it's also you know I I remember interviewing him with the day he had arrived in Montreal, just after he'd won Kitchbull. <laughs> And he was obviously a shell of a man. Oh, I know. He was yeah. like, oh, I'm so jet-lagged. I feel absolutely rubbish. Yeah. And he was, you know, this lovely twinkle in his eye because he'd just won Kitchbull and it meant so much to him. But also, obviously, he was going to lose first round. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, that was going to go badly. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it doesn't oh. help himself. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so, anything else notable from ATP Cup? What have you made of the... Innovations. I mean, they've been. They've been I have quite, not noticed them. Well, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, I haven't really noticed them. I remember the press release about them, and I remember quirking an eyebrow at one or two, thinking, "Oh, that sounds good." But, I, but during my watching experience, until you mentioned them just then, not noticed. Them. No, Safin was our <laughs> Safin. By the way, big check energy, yeah. as Hannah Wilkes said on Twitter, <laughs> really not disguising the fact he's there for the paycheck. Yeah, I want Safin Cam. Just in, in the top corner of the screen, just watch just him. He just he he's, sort of sat back, sort of as though he's at the beach, just he, sort of yeah, on holiday. He um, he always plays uh, the French Open Legends event every year, and they they put on the Legends All Access Hour, where they parade them all through, and you grab them for a quote. And obviously, everyone sort of wants Safin because you don't see him that much. You know, he's 
Tutor, he's enigmatic, etc., etc. Everyone wants a sound bite from Safin, or everyone that hasn't previously interviewed him recently wants a sound bite yeah. from Safin because what he says inevitably <laughs> is, I don't really watch tennis every time. I don't know, I don't watch tennis. So I'm very much enjoying him having to sit having to watch tennis. and watch tennis yeah. well, and pretend to be interested. Well, he was asked about the, the stats that are available for the players. They're allowed, you know, like during oh, the match. I cannot imagine anyone less interested in that. He just said, to be honest, I don't know how to use the, I don't know how to use the iPad. Have you seen anyone using the stats? Um, Chilich. Chilich is big on the stats. Oh, bless him. I know. And Schwartzman was asked, and he said it wasn't working. <laughs> so, you know. I mean, I, I, I quite like that in principle. Yeah. But it, it's, it's not been a feature of my no. watching experience, no. being, being um, aware of that. David, I think, said that some of the video review worked quite well, where there was a dispute right. over... Oh, yeah, I mean, that's a total like no-brainer, isn't yeah, it? I mean, I think obviously, so. you, should have a, you should have the um, footfold camera available to the umpires. So, I mean, that, yeah, great. Yeah, and, yeah. and the one that determines whether the call interfered with the shot yes there was one that i think it was hatchinoff was playing and it took ages it was like the, like the umpire had to watch it like 10 times to decide <laughs> but you know if they can slightly speed that process up i think it's i think it's a good thing um, um but sometimes it is so close you know on, on those calls with interference that you know, you sh- they should probably have a, a kind of umpire's call kind of thing, rather than yeah. just take ages, but um, or just replay the point. You know, but um, so in terms of like actual results, kind of, I'm not going to run through. We're still at the group stage of the ATP Cup. I'm not going to run through. Australia have qualified for the semi. Is it semi-finals? Yes, quarters, quarters, quarters. Need that. Um, and who else has qualified? I assume Serbia have now qualified. Spain have qualified. We'll 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 do a more sort of results the yeah. ATP week. Cup um, podcast next week. I think one point that I think is interesting about the ATP Cup is the crowds. Mm. Like, there was obviously a lot of talk at the Davis Cup about the crowds because the crowds have always been such an important part of Davis Cup, and the way that the crowds supported was so different to other tennis. What I'm finding at the ATP Cup is that the crowds are better, I would say, than they were in Madrid overall. Um, but it's less partisan. It's it's there's 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 pockets of vocal support, yeah. but equally it's just good support. Um, it's just kind of fairly full stadiums watching a tennis match as they would normally, yeah. with slightly more vocal. And I feel like it's it's fans that would come, yes. regardless of what tennis event you're putting on, yeah. these are sports fans, tennis fans, yeah. and, and and that is something that Australia has going for it. Yeah, and know? I think there are, you know, Australia is very multicultural, there are mm. lots of, there's lots of Serbians, for example, watching yeah. the Djokovic matches, and he has really liked having that support. I think it was a Kevin Anderson match. Yeah, he loved it, didn't he? He absolutely loved it. Um, so, that, so that's been an interesting point about it. And I think something that the Davis Cup got really criticised for was the, when the, you know, kind of the outside courts where there weren't the fans. And if, if the ATP Cup continues to pull in more, that's going to potentially look bad for the Davis Cup. That, mm. you know, I think it just, it just emphasised to me how important it is next year that the Davis Cup, or this year, sorry, get the ticketing and the fans right. Because... You know, people can kind of accept it once if the crowds aren't there, but if they're not there this year and 
they keep being there for the ATP Cup, that's not going to look great for the Davis Cup, I don't yeah. think. Um, and also, you know, we talked about the Davis Cup being in Madrid multiple times and how unfair that seemed because it was branding itself as the World Cup of Tennis. It doesn't quite feel like that to me with the Australia having the home advantage. It obviously is an advantage, but because the support is not so partisan, it doesn't feel like such an advantage. And I mean, yeah. I th- as far as I know, it's ATP Cup is planning to be in Australia for the foreseeable future. I, I, I think I read, you know, it's almost like a, you know, like a ten-year deal or something. Yeah, um, I th- yeah. If, if the the location of it feels pretty integral to the whole, I mean, not least because it's obviously run by Tennis Australia. Yeah, and the fact that they've got it in three different cities. Yeah. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, tennis podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Andy Murray isn't there uh, because he announced just over a week ago, I think, 10 days ago, uh, between Christmas and New Year, he announced that he'd be missing the whole Australian summer due to pelvic in- injury um, that he sustained during the off-season. It's sort of now emerged that it's pelvic bruising, um, which sounds uncomfortable, but hopefully not critical. I mean, it's story in our minds, it's a huge it's a huge blow. I mean, look, none of us were kidding ourselves that he was going to be a contender at the Australian Open, but that moment of him walking out in Australia at the place where he was retired last year, I mean, that was going to be something. So special, wouldn't it? Um, I think so. I think our reactions to that news told us a lot about who we are. Well, so I'm thinking mainly of you and David. <laughs> you were. You, you was, you know, on our WhatsApp group saying, "Oh no, we're not going to get that moment." 
And David says, yeah, I know. But Australian Open's still going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, yeah, I mean, we've gone from when the when the um, draw was first done for the ATP Cup, we thought the first match of the season was going to be Federer against Murray. Um, and it ended up being not that. <laughs> no, it was um, Evans Dimitrov. Which was still quite good, but it, good. It's, it's just not Federer and Murray. No. Um, so Murray missing Australia, as is Kei Nishikori. He's injured, Matt. He's injured, so. and he's also 30. Yeah. How he's is not that gonna, He's not going to get any less injured no. from 30 onwards, is no, he? No, he's, he's still struggling with his elbow. Right. Elbow surgery okay. last year, and he's had to pull out of the Australian Open, which, you know, is a... This is a massive shame for him. That's, what was it, two of the last three Australian yeah. Opens he'll have missed? Yeah, that's tough for him. Um, we also have injury concerns on the women's side. Well, the biggest one is Bianca Andreescu pulling out of Auckland with the same injury that caused her to um, withdraw from the WTA finals knee injury. That This really worries me. Really, really worries me. She's so injury prone. Yeah, it, it, it's it's it is a real concern um, that somebody this young. Yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, she she won the U.S. Open with seemingly myriad injuries and, oh, she, and she strapping. Won, I mean, everything she won last year <laughs> yeah. she seemed to be so. At least there's that. Injured. Um, you know, she's obviously got a kind of high tolerance to it, but how much of that is just being being young? Mm. But, um, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's a big worry. So we we've got we've got so Br- the Brisbane WTA event exists still. Yeah. But it's essentially until Thursday it's a sort of sideshow. Yeah. It's a warm-up act for the ATP Cup in yeah. Brisbane. Because the main court in Brisbane is the Pat Rafter Arena and that's what they're using for the ATP Cup, which is their well, it's been there in the last yeah, week, and it's it, there until Wednesday. It's not Wednesday. a question of there's no schedulers making decisions about which matches nope. belong. It is the main court is designated for the ATP Cup, which you can argue that um, as great as the WTA field is, the top seeds have buys and won't play until until Thursday, or can be kept from playing until Thursday if if you want them to. Um, when obviously the the main court will be available. But still, just the principle of the main court, while both the men's and women's events are happening, the main court is dedicated to the men's event, regardless of the matches happening. That makes me uncomfortable. Me too. I mean, Osaka Sakari is happening tomorrow, I believe, on the second court. I mean, that is... And and I don't know the schedule in Brisbane for the ATP Cup, but... There will be almost certainly every match yeah, will I be mean, less high profile. Martin than that. Cuevas against Yoshihito Nishioka, no, Gosa Oeda, took place on the Pat Raft Arena, folks. Or certainly on the main stadium, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, not great. I mean, the only good thing, at first, when we saw, when we were processing that scheduling, we thought that Ash Barty. Uh, who's in the field in Brisbane, would be playing her first match as world number one on Australian soil, obviously apart from the, the Fed Cup. No, because she wasn't world number one. Yeah. Yes, yeah, she was. Okay, so... But kind of WTA match. WTA match, yeah. Um, but 
because of the bye, she will she she will play Thursday, presumably um, her first match, and of course she'll be um, on the Pat Raft Arena, and that will be an incredible moment. But still, yeah. Well, she played doubles today on a on the second call. That's just, that's... It just makes me so uncomfortable that it's it's allowed to happen. I just can't really. Yeah, it's just unfathomable, really. It's not right. Serena versus Kuznetsova. Serena's playing Auckland, which is interesting because she did not like it there two years ago, did she? Was it two years ago? Yeah. Three uh, years ago? Three years ago. She played in a sort of hurricane, <laughs> which did look rubbish. Like, yeah. As documented previously on the podcast, I hate playing tennis in the wind more than anything. So I, I feel you, Serena. Yeah, um, I, I think but she, she, she didn't hold back about terrorists. it in press. She was like, I'm never coming back here. It's too windy. But here she is in Auckland. But, but it is interesting that she's back. And she spoke about this in her press conference. You know, this was a tournament that, you know, she played. The first tournament she played when she was pregnant was Auckland oh, yes. 2017. You know, it's kind of all come full circle for her now. That was, you know, her whole career, her whole life has been completely different since that Auckland tournament. And she's actually got uh, Olympia with her in Auckland this year. So that's, that's, that's quite nice. And, and she said that she didn't know she was pregnant when she was in Auckland last time. And, she, and now looking back on it, she, think, she thinks that was potentially why she was so kind of miserable. Um, <laughs> I um, have got down, and I'd seen on I'd seen various places that she'd drawn Kuznetsova in the first round, but I now see that she's playing Camilla Georgie. What yes, has happened to Svetlana Kuznetsova? Oh, I just saw that. Yeah. Oh, that's still a great first round. Yeah, Serena Georgie. Absolutely, and I think you know Georgie's can be so dangerous, but actually, I think I think Serena likes a tough first round. Yes, know, agreed. Completely just. She'll be focused and straight away. Georgie hits a nice ball. I yeah. think she'll enjoy that. Yeah. I think it'll be a good match, but she'll win, you know, five and six or something. <laughs> um, why am I doing result predictions, predictions. For, for matches that will be done uh, by the time anyone's listening to this? Um, a few results from overnight in Brisbane. Uh, so I looked through the list of results, and almost all of them were notable. Mm. Um, so the, the first night of WTA tennis... Um, of 2020 we've got Danielle Collins who of course was a semi-finalist at the Australian Open last year but did did very little since then beat Alina Svitolina 6-1 6-1 yeah such an eye-catching yeah. scoreline the only point of that I saw was match point in which Svitolina hit a perfectly good serve and Collins just smacked it straight for a winner so I mean if that was anyway indicative of what happened then it looks you know like Collins was kind of in that groove she found in Australia last year yeah. she, she is that kind of she is player. she's a streaky like it, player it is, is a, it is a it, eye-catching result but when you think about it yeah I mean, Collins is capable of that yeah just like that match it. against Kerber exactly. at the Australian Open last year almost identical uh, speaking line. of Kerber she's lost 7-6 7-6 to Sam Stoza great win for Sam Stoza mm. um, Kerber it's an even year isn't it so we would expect her to we win everything we are expecting big things so it's not started <laughs> not started necessarily how you'd expect uh, Sophia slash Sonia Kenin has beaten Sevastova straight set Stritzova beat Conta um, that's not a great start to the year for Joe Conta is it I mean Stritzova she lost her in the quarters at Wimbledon didn't she mm. um, but it's, it's not a great start to no. the year for Joe and Conta and there was I think Simon Briggs reported that Conta's got a kind of ongoing is it knee injury that she was dealing with a lot of 
last year. I think I think she wasn't actually sure whether she would make Brisbane Conter. So the fact that she's there is obviously good, but you know, it sounds like she's playing on a bit of an injury that she hasn't that hasn't properly healed. That doesn't sound great to me. She's not no. she doesn't strike me as a sort of player that will She's not an Andreescu, is she? No. I don't think she's... She'll she's, be thinking about that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Alison Risk beat Mukova. Tom Janovic beat Patricia Hon um, in Auckland. Serena's the top seed, isn't she? I think it's the first time she's been the top seed. Since her, since her maternity comeback. comeback. Yeah. Um, and she's playing doubles with Wozniacki. Yes. Which is great. And, they, and they won their first who, match. Who um, will be retiring at this year's Australian Open. She announced that a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's I don't. It doesn't come as a great surprise to me. I think Daniela Hantikova, who is still in touch with her, had mentioned that you know since getting married and everything, she she thought that certainly her her mind had already turned to retirement at the back end of last year. Um, it's nice that she's going to be able to to retire at the Australian Open, where of course she won her her one and only Slam a couple of years ago, and we'll of course cover that story at the Australian Open where we will be Matt in nine days time we'll certainly be on a plane in nine days time yes. David and I will be on the same plane in nine yes. days time rumours of a plane podcast I've never flown with David before how are you feeling about it? probably better than he is because <laughs> I'm like a more suitable size for an aeroplane um David, the the WhatsApp conversation that we had with David during his flight last year was the... That's the worst mood I've ever... In, what, 12 years of knowing David Law? That is the worst mood I've ever known him to be in when the man in front of him reclined on his flight from Dubai to Melbourne. It was really, really bad. And then you said, oh, I do that all the time. Yeah. (laughs) It's a re- it, and subsequently, I'm now really alert to the to the debate there is in the world surrounding reclining. Yeah, I think it's a total free for all. I mean, not not during meals. You must always upright upright during yeah. meals. That's the Agreed. protocol. But I would never. I wouldn't think anything of it if the person in front of me reclined. I, I fully expect them to. Yeah, you've paid for that. Yeah, I Every hesitate inch to counts, use the word folks. privilege, but yeah, <laughs> yes, um, but yeah. Nothing, nothing grinds David's gears like yeah, people it was, reclining in front of him. It was him. really scary, folks. It was, it was almost like all we'd be left with is the memories and the metronomic <laughs> winning of titles. <laughs> um, but anyway, this is going to be a new David Law because he's, he's actually had a holiday. He's, he's got sort of a tan. Would you describe it as a tan? <laughs> You've obviously seen some different pictures. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's not going to look like a tan when he gets to Australia and is surrounded by people with actual tans. But I'm, relative to the baseline, I'd say it's it's sort of a tan. He has still been up worryingly early. Oh, yeah. We've he's been, I don't, he's we've not been got getting, any sleep. We've been getting messages at 10, 11 a.m., which is like 5, 6 a.m. where he is. He's typing. Not my holiday. <laughs> He's typing as we speak. Get a selfie of you two post-recording, he says. Um, shall I tell him that I've, I can only see out of one eye and I'm not selfie-worthy? Oh, yes, you should, you, should you should certainly tell the listeners. I've got, an, I've got an eye infection, folks, and I've lost my glasses. <laughs> it's a perfect storm of eye situation. 
Um, so so, you're, so you're currently one lens in, one out. <laughs> one lens in, one out, and sort of doing sort of intermittent winking at everyone that passes by. Um, yeah, the, the, the struggles that we go through to bring you this podcast, and we'll continue to go through throughout 2020, provided we get Kickstarter funded, um, hint, hint. Uh, we're very nearly there, uh, 90% just over 90% at the time of recording um, so yeah help us help us keep going and growing we really want to we are bowled over by the response that we've had we have uh, we have one year long official tennis podcast mascot and we also have individual Grand Slam mascots this year all five spots have been taken very exciting very exciting people have given us money to send us pictures of their animals <laughs> And that just makes me think that the world is a is a wonderful, wonderful place. Um, our mascot for the year is Butler. Um, he's a Hungarian Vizsla. Catherine's we- face. <laughs> I mean, we've been talking he's- about tennis for I don't know how long, and this is this is the <laughs> he's happiest. He's so been. beautiful. Mm. Um, I'm already on the case, Russell and Brad, who are Butler's owners. Hello, and thank you very much. Um, for your contribution to the Kickstarter and for bringing Butler into our lives. I'm already on the case in my mind of thinking of uh, what tennis player oh, would blimey. be a Hungarian Vizsla. I'm on it. Okay. I'm thinking Next about week. it. Yeah. I'm giving it probably more thought than I really should. But anyway, mascot. Um, Butler is our mascot for the year, and I'm very excited about that. And our um, Grand Slam mascots, Matt, are... Oh. It's just a parade of wonder. Yes. Um... The Australian Open is Crumble. Crumble is Crumble the dog. Just a treat. Crumble has um, Crumble has a bandana. Yeah. Um, that's just great. Yeah. And um, Jim is is uh, Crumble's owner. And Jim, um, Jim's been long long time back of the pod and yeah, participates and he's been, in our predictions. Yeah, and but he's been keeping Crumble a secret I all know, this time. All this time. Um, Crumble is a poodle cross. Poodle cross. Yeah, d- is a, a delight, yeah. Um, French Open is... This wasn't in the agenda, folks. No, we've, <laughs> I've gone, we've off, gone off piece. <laughs> this is what happens when David's not here. <laughs> I'm racking my brains to remember these names. Yes, um, French Open is Star, oh, with two R's. Star's got, got a degree. Got a degree. Star is a um, Corgi Retriever Cross. I've got a lot of questions how that, how that happened, happened. Yeah. but it's... It's a wonderful thing. The result of it, the result of that weird encounter is a wonderful thing. And Star, we've been sent a picture of Star wearing a little, what are they called? Those Mortarboard. Mortarboard, there we go. So a highbrow dog for the French Open. Yeah. Uh, Wimbledon is Gerald the cat. Lovely. Great As cat. As cats go, <laughs> given that they can't be dogs, Gerald is Gerald is as good as an animal can be without being a dog, I yes, would say. We've had pictures of Gerald uh, in the bath. Yeah. On a laptop. Yeah. So he perhaps, really, perhaps Gerald's also got a degree. He, he takes good photos, yeah. Gerald, yeah. Yeah. And we're still awaiting photos of our US Open mascot. But we do know that it's a German Shepherd called, called Zeus. Zeus. Nickname. Oh. Jitters. Jitters, yes. And lives in Colombia. Lives in Medellin, Colombia, which is somewhere I've been. Yeah, which was extraordinary news. <laughs> <laughs> te- for tennis. It was extraordinary news to me at the time <laughs> that I, I, I went to Medellin. Um, yeah, 
So anyway, the, how many people do you think are still listening? <laughs> um, I think that's it for our first podcast of 2020. We have one more thing to do. Do we? Which is our, it's our, one of our new things in 2020. Oh, yes. Which is the Catherine, soon to be David, mispronounces names segment. We've got shout outs, folks. It's one of our new categories uh, on this year's podcast. There's unlimited spots, so if you'd like a shout out, um, you can still get one in our Kickstarter, kickstarter.com. Just Google the Tennis Podcast Kickstarter. And it'll be in the show notes as well. And it'll be in the show notes. Um, I feel like I should like really do a good job with these shout-outs because it's kind of like a shop window for shout-outs, isn't it? So, yes. <clears throat> here goes. Our first one is for Mark Sokol. I really hope I'm, I'm getting this right. I, I Should I do different versions just in case I've got it wrong? <laughs> Sokol. I'm definitely confident on Mark. Hello, Mark. And uh, thank you for your Kickstarter contribution. Hello, Puelo dear. Good. Thank you very much, Puelo. And hello, Laurie Man Porter. Thank you all very much for your contributions to our Kickstarter. Um, we're delighted. Um, and hello once again to Butler. Lovely dog. Uh, we've been the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We'll all be back next week. David Law will be back next week. His tan will have faded, <laughs> but the, the memories won't. I'm sure you'll hear lots about his trip to Disney. How many roller coasters do we think he's been on? I don't think he fits he's on not, roller coasters. He doesn't fit, does he? No. No. He'd he's have, not he'd, great. He'd have held a lot of jackets watching people <laughs> on roller coasters. Which is definitely my mum's. My mum's designated position for always was for roller coasters. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week, folks. And then after that, we'll be back with daily podcasts from the Australian Open 2020. We'll all be there. We can't wait. It's going to be great. We'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.